The problem is mm. this that we are disconnected from ourselves. We don't check within with ourselves uh, on daily basis. So we go ahead with a plan, with to, to with a to do list, with tasks that we you know think we have to do, and we operate on autopilot, and that yeah. is killing our existence. That is killing our aliveness, our playfulness, our happiness, our joy. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. Hello, Balancers, and welcome to episode 82 of the Balance Theory podcast. You are going to be so glad you tuned into this week's episode because today's guest is someone who is so vulnerable, open, and wise that I almost didn't want to stop the conversation at the end of the episode. From finding limiting self-perceptions, hidden beliefs, and sabotaging mechanisms, today's guest teaches us how we can free ourselves and recreate who we are. Her mission to use powerful tools to reprogram the subconscious mind, remove self-sabotaging programs, and fortify our integrity, self-esteem, and self-love is something she shares with us today in such a loving and joyful way. I'm speaking of none other than the beautiful Dorota Stanzik, who believes we are all born creative and is well known as a Polish transformational artist, creative director, conscious creativity trainer, speaker, and author of the book, Recreate Yourself. It was an absolute honor to chat with Dorota today. I know you guys are going to get so much out of the episode. So as you go through the episode, open up your hearts and ears and keep in mind two people who are going to love this content as much as you, so you can forward it onto them the second it's over or maybe halfway through if you can't wait until the end of course if you haven't left us a review or rating on apple Podcasts, it would mean the absolute world to me thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to commit and show up for your balance and i'm so excited to hear your thoughts on this episode let's dive straight in today's guest is what i would describe a woman of all trades she's a transformational artist creative director conscious creativity trainer speaker and author of the book Recreate Yourself. I'm very humbled to introduce you all to Dorota Stanzik. A very warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It's so lovely to have you on the show today. Thank you, Erika. It is amazing to be here. <laughs> Likewise. Now, we're streaming from Dubai to the UK, and um, we were just chatting a little bit about how the Wi-Fi has been not cooperating okay. so well. So <laughs> apologies in advance if we have any issues with the audio, but tell me a little bit about your week. What's, what's going on on your side of the world? Well, I'm enjoying London. Uh, the weather starts to be really, really uh, beautiful here. So enjoying That's every day. That's very walks. unusual. Very unusual yes. for London. <laughs> well, you would be surprised, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> I just had a walk this morning at 7 a.m. It was just beautiful. I live ne- next to Holland Park. So it's the perfect location to, to connect with nature right in the middle of the town. So it's very, very unique. Beautiful. Now I know I um I opened up with a lot of the different hats that you wear or have worn in the past. And so I would love for you to share a little bit about what you're currently involved in so the listeners get a little bit of a feel for who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. So I recently just published a book, um, Recreate Yourself. Um, that is all about self-awareness, self-love, self-understanding. Um, it's supposed to, it's a coaching book that is designed to 
take you through a, a numerous exercises that will really question your perception of self, your self-esteem, your self-confidence, your self-trust. So it's a book that is supposed to really give you a tool um, in every situation to manage and to recreate yourself to the person you really choose to be every single day. Uh, so that's one. Uh, I'm also working on happiness app with Mogao, that is my business partner, who was a chief business officer for Google X and he's best-selling author of the book, Solve for Happy. Hugely recommended. Um, and we are building an app with AI technology that will basically be designed to change your behavioral patterns and increase your day-to-day -day happiness. Um, and then I do a lot of consulting uh, job for different startups all around the world in conscious technology, in the mental health and wellness industry. So that's my amazing. <laughs> that's what keeps just a me couple busy. of things. Yeah, yes. I can definitely definitely imagine. Um, first of all, I love the approach of your book to give people that prompt to recreate or ask who they want to be every day. I think on the mm -hmm. on the on this podcast when we talk about life balance, it's not about this concept that is a template you have for life. It's more. Uh, a standard or something you want to achieve on a daily basis and that looks completely different every day so I think the concept of recreating yourself mm -hmm. or having the confidence to reconnect with yourself on a regular basis is really really important so I'll definitely be ordering a copy of your book um, because I just think that's incredible and I'm no doubt we'll go into the concept a little bit further as the conversation mm -hmm. goes on with regards to your second project, I actually just finished reading Mo's book, which I also strongly recommend, Solve for Happy. And I've read and looked into the app you guys um, have been developing and it looks incredible. So I think the tech behind it and the way it's making happiness accessible to people in a way that they potentially haven't thought about, um, in, I think it just simplifies it, right? I think, I think happiness and this concept of just being in touch with ourselves can become really challenging if, if we don't simplify it and just draw it down to what it's about, which is just connecting with ourselves. So I love that everything you're doing, all the projects you're kind of working on, all roads lead back to that one common project. And um, I mean, I'll let you tell me the story, but I can imagine this sort of started back in your journey with your, as you call it, first awakening, where your mind was kind of open to this concept of self-healing. So I would love for you to share a little bit about that experience and part of your journey and how mm. it's contributed to what you're doing today. So. Um, of pleasure. Um, so I grew up in a very spiritual family. Uh, my my family was very psychic from generation to generation, and you know I I, I grew up in that knowledge of meditation, of uh, mindfulness, and uh, energy, and um, sort sort of psychic abilities, the potential at least of it. Incredible. Um, but for years, uh, well, I, unfortunately, I was, um, I wouldn't say unlucky because the disease was created for a reason, but I uh, started to suffer, from, to suffer from a heart disease at the age of around 10, 11. And wow. uh, yes, and that was a quite severe condition where my pulse would jump up to 250 per minute. And if that wouldn't be stopped within a few minutes, I would basically die and that attack would happen twice or three times per week for around eight years until I had a heart operation and so that you know changed my perception of reality of life and hugely influenced 
uh, my quality of, of, of life in general. And then at the age of 17, on top of my heart condition, I started to develop an autoimmune disease that was very, very painful autoimmune uh, bladder disease. Uh, until today, the cure is unknown. Um, and it's a condition that you normally suffer for the rest of your life, being on medication, trying different uh, alternative methods to help you to reduce the pain. And in the worst case scenario, they just remove your bladder. So it's quite severe, uh, quite severe one. And so with that, uh, you know, perception and awareness that there is, you know, this powers in the world and people who have those abilities, I started to look for all the answers um, in the external reality. I started to search for healers, for gurus, for people who could help me. I, at the age of 19, I went to India. I was spent, you know, time in village of Sai Baba. And I was just trying everything that uh, could potentially cure me simply. Interestingly, uh, the answers that I was looking for were never outside of me. They were always inside of myself. I, I just didn't know how to look for them. And so there was a moment in my life where I gave up the search. I gave up the longing for change, the longing for getting better, for being healthier. I just gave up that constant crave to change something about myself. And I realized that, okay, well, if this is how it's supposed to be, if I'm supposed to suffer for the rest of my life, well, so be it. I just accept it. And interestingly, in that shift, something, a change occurred because I suddenly stopped rejecting my own disease. I stopped running away from myself. I stopped beating myself up for being broken, for being different, for being um, unhealthy. And in that surrender, when I surrender to something bigger than myself, um, the path very quickly led me to meet right people and be in the right places uh, that sort of influenced my first awakening. I, within two weeks, I ended up on a meditation retreat in Northern Thailand uh, in the mountains with, with Buddhists. And I remember when I walked in there, uh, the Buddhist, the main, the main monk uh, looked at me and he said, well, Vipassana, very easy for you. You meditated a lot of past lives. And I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> so I, you know, I started to meditate uh, with them for around seven hours per day. And on the fourth day, and it, it really felt it was very easy for me. It felt like coming back home. It felt like how, how could I live 25 years without knowing this practice? Mm -hmm. So on the fourth day, I completely detached from my body. I, it was like, I could re-experience my body for the very first time. Everything was heightened up. All my sens sensory ex experiences were heightened up. I could see energy. I would have dreams about what was going to happen the next day. It was such a clarity of who I was and what this world was about and about the interconnectedness of everything that I knew that moment that in that moment that I I was healed. 
And I stayed in that state for around 10 days. And then it took me around two years to reintegrate that experience back, to come back to the normal life. Because all I wanted to do from that moment was to stay in the mountain and and meditate (laughs) for the rest of my life. which is what what most people want to do after they have the, their first awakening because it feels so good it feels like you don't need anything anymore like you mm. you're you're the source of ev- you become the source of everything that you that you ever needed and How so beautiful. the yes all the symptoms slowly uh disappeared and and i haven't you know been on medication for over 10 years now so that was the first awakening that really started my search for understanding consciousness, understanding altered states, understanding um, how our body mind works. And I think the most important lesson from that experience was that we should never, you should never reject something that is yours because mm-hmm. the moment you do, you actually stop a healing process that your body could initiate your body is designed to survive. Mm. So every disease is, is there to actually save you from something, from an unresolved blockage or issue that is happening on a subconscious level. And so through that condition, it, it, it's supposed to be eliminated from your body. So now whenever I, you know, I'm getting sick or I'm, I'm having a cold, I would be great. The first feeling I would have is a feeling of gratitude. It's like, thank you for helping me to eliminate whatever there is to, to, to be eliminated. And, and the moment you integrate your own disease, the healing process will speed up and you will be able to heal anything. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard because in practice, when you say to someone with cancer, well, love your cancer, is the most abstract feeling to imagine. But I, I really strongly believe that love and and self-love, uh, unconditional self-love with, you know, with forgiveness for anything that you have created within yourself is the key to, to freedom. Yeah. Wow. Firstly, thank you so much for diving deep and sharing that story. That is really, really incredible. And um, we're definitely going to dive into some of those things in, in terms of how they now form a part of some of the things you speak about, like self-love. But I just want to go back to this idea of what you resist persists. So that idea of what you kind of reject or don't want to accept kind of finds Mm -hmm. a way or it doesn't allow it to be what it's supposed to be. And I think that's when a lot of us sit in this space of having a victim mentality. The world is against me. Things are happening to me, not for me. And that's when we're really, really unhappy and what we would call also unbalanced. You, you just feel completely out of touch with who you are. And so my question is, because I think it's one thing to hear people's stories and be inspired by them and, you know, almost have uh, a bit of a guideline for why it's so important to practice that surrender for what's going on around you and practice that reframe to say, okay, I'm sick. I'm now going to look at that with gratitude. But I think to actually do it and put into practice is such a different um, thing and something that obviously takes time and it's almost like a skill you have to build up. But I'm just curious to know, how did you, um, or, or do you have any tips for people listening who maybe don't have access to do, you know, a really long retreat in the mountains and maybe just want oh. to incorporate some sort of acceptance into day-to-day life to help them 
practice surrender and move out of that victim mentality a little bit, do you just have any tips that people can start utilizing as of today, as uh, after this podcast? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would just clarify something on, you know, meditation practice before we go to 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 practices on 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 self-rejection etc uh a lot of people don't know that i'm a huge geek so <laughs> i really interviewed all of the possible experts on on meditation on neuroscience etc to understand what really happened to me they had the brain scans of my um of my brain and to see basically what, what is happening there and what happened um and there has been one study that I have been absolutely amazed about by Nicole Bradford and Jeffrey Martin, who study over hundreds of different types of meditation. And they created a course, uh, a course online course, in which you, you receive a technology, uh, they measure your brain, they measure your heart rate, and you go through a, a different, actually, they selected 26, the most effective type of meditation. And you go through all of those types to to learn which type is the most effective for you. An initial goal of that was to, um, was to discover this one ultimate type of meditation that will work for everyone. And what they discover is that there was no one ultimate type of meditation for everyone. Every single person responded differently to different type of meditation or practice. But the mm. moment they found they found their practice, within three months they would have what is what they called non-symbolic shift of consciousness, which we called awakening. And so, I would say, don't listen to other people's practices ever. Find your own practices and you can only mm. do it by, by going within. So I will never tell you do this or that kind of meditation. Vipassana work for me. It might never work for you. But what is really important and crucial is the, its presence. Buddhist monks believe that disease or any condition can be created when we are present. Mm. Similarly, all the worries or all the fears or often um, what, what we deal with in our mind li lives, um, lives between future and the past. So if Absolutely. we are able to disconnect from future and the past and we really come back to the present moment, not only our body will heal quicker, but we will be happier. happier. We will, our entire well-being is going to improve. And so... I think the most important practice for everyone is, is really, really, really to learn to be present. And it's not easy because since we were little, we were asked, who are you going to be when you grow up? We would learn to project ourselves 20 years ahead. It's when, I mean, like, this is crazy. I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow. And I don't <laughs> want to know how, you know, how boring it would be to know what is going to happen in five years or 10 years. Would you like to have a life like that? No way. So, you know, and how often whatever you plan has actually happened? Rarely, because most of mm. the time what happens is surprises. Life keeps surprising us. Life is unpredictable and that's the beauty of it. So if we were, you know, ready to fall in love with the unknown, to fall in love with the stillness and the presence of every day and realizing that this is all we have. This is all we have. 
and investing into making every single moment special and unique well that's for my that's in my opinion cure for everything you know if you can wake up every morning and check within yourself how am i feeling today what am i feeling like doing today and 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 trust yourself that this intuition will guide you to the exactly right places exactly right people exactly right tools then you will be fine the problem is mm. this that we are disconnected from ourselves we don't check within with ourselves uh, on daily basis so we go ahead with a plan with to, to with a to-do list with tasks that we you know think we have to do and we operate on autopilot and that yeah. is killing our existence that is killing our aliveness that our playfulness our happiness our joy so yeah i would say the most important um the most important tools are those that that will help you to come back to yourself and that means yeah. you know in my case not touching my phone for the first hour after i wake up and that creates huge difference because i will not jump into work straight away to 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 my to-do list i will feel into myself i will go for a walk i will grab a coffee if i don't feel like it but i will just be within myself within my thought and my whole life and my whole day after is going to be very different because i gave myself a time to recharge myself to recharge mm -hmm. my batteries so i can function and 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 be more productive in in whatever i have to do later on so um that would be you know tool number one and then um talking about your question was uh, you know if we if we talk about uh, self-rejection and 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 um really struggling with accepting whatever comes to us whatever um happen to us there are there are four level of consciousness the first one is everything happens to me the second one is everything happens for me the third one everything happens from me and the last one everything happens as me and you know for me that describes all of it because if you realize that this reality is just a representation of who you are and your internal state you will realize that you are actually everything and whatever you create is a response it's a feedback about where you are at at that specific moment and what's going on inside of you in other words everything all the people you are meeting all the places you are you are visiting everything all the situations that are appearing and and happening are happening as a result of your thoughts and your feelings mm. right so you can't reject something that is yours the, the life is bringing this as a feedback to tell you hey if i was mistreated by someone on the street or assaulted or whatever and i could be angry that this happened to me well i can as well change that mentality and be like wow someone insulted me and that shows me that i attracted that situation because probably something inside me perhaps i was insulting myself i was upset with myself about something i was angry with myself and so you will attract that kind of situation to reflect your inner state if that makes sense so yeah it's so important to integrate and accept 
every single experience as a beautiful opportunity to actually discover more about yourself. And from that state, you can't be victim anymore. It's impossible because everything is yours, in fact. Yeah, there's so many, so many beautiful things you said that I want to pull out. But I think the essence of what you've just described is really the art of being present, which I think is something given the um, busy and almost distracting lifestyle that we live in, it becomes really, really difficult to do that. And I also really appreciate that you haven't just given like one or two tips that work for you because I also always speak about why it's so much better to have a toolkit rather than tools because even from day to day, even if you've got the things that work for you, no two days are the same. And sometimes you need completely different tools to make you feel present. If you're feeling anxious or you're in a moment of self-doubt, that's going to require a completely different tool to when you're feeling so energetic and you're on a roll and you're you know, in the zone and you want to be present then. They just require two completely different things. So I really appreciate the, the concept of having a toolkit rather than set tips. Um, I also love what you said, how you prioritize the recharge in the morning. And that's almost like just giving yourself, like if you're somebody listening who finds, you know, making that time to be present or just in general connecting with yourself and not being caught up in the past or the future, I think that that's almost making it easy for yourself if you're committing the first half an hour or hour of your day. I think that really sets yourself up for the rest of the day and being present mm-hmm. and, and even just listening to you speaking right now, I think really is a perspective. It's the way you look at your existence and your time. And, and I think if you mm-hmm. start working on um, that mindset and that perspective, the rest also in, in complement all comes together. And I think that's a really, mm-hmm. really powerful way. It, it's empowering when you think about it, because like you said, at the beginning, you were on a quest and searching for things externally to you. And we know um, from, you know, incredible books, even like Mo's, that concepts like happiness all come down to our perspective and how we perceive the world and ourselves within it. And so I think it's really awesome to ground yourself in that from from the point of view of being present as kind of like the antidote to self-healing, to, you know, victim mentality, all these things that we struggle with. If I told you there was a device that not only tracked your sleep, exercise, and your menstrual cycle, but also gave you suggestions for how you should be training every day based off your performance in those areas, would you believe me? I'll spare you the suspense because Whoop have perfected this in their smartwatch. And since using it, I have become more confident understanding and learning from my body's intuitive signals. I love reviewing my sleep performance every morning and comparing it with the rest of my week to see how having one or two coffees later in the day or reading before bed changes my sleep quality. Yes, you can track all of these things and more like alcoholic drinks, whether you felt socially fulfilled that day, meditated, etc., to see what combination gives you the best quality of sleep. The best part for us women as well is it also factors in our menstrual cycle. You know how I have heaps of guests on that talk about training with your cycle? This literally takes the guesswork out of remembering which part of the month is better for what and will cue you and actually make suggestions every morning on what style is more appropriate. So on the first day of my cycle, it reminds me that based off where my hormones are at, resistance training is more appropriate. And what's crazy is it always reflects exactly how I'm feeling. It's been game changing for my balance because it honors that every day is different and reminds me that I intuitively know these things, but teaches me how to listen to them. If you want to try it out for yourself, click the link in the show notes and get your first month free. Now let's get back to the episode. Something a lot of people struggle with, I've struggled with in the past, I know you have too, is this idea of limiting beliefs. 
So these mm-hmm. stories or thoughts we tell ourselves that keep us locked in um, from our potential, mm-hmm. I think, at times. And so I was Absolutely. curious to know, I guess, your thoughts on limiting beliefs, how somebody can recognize them and how you've learned to navigate them because they can be very, very consuming. I I didn't learn to navigate them. I learned to remove them. <laughs> Love it. Which Even is, better. <laughs> which I think is like don't learn to don't honestly don't learn to navigate something that that you don't want to keep because there Love is that. no point. Uh, I think the the hardest part. It's not that hard to actually remove a limiting belief. It, the hardest part is to identify it. Yes, because we often disidentify with, um, with you know what we consider not right way of thinking, and we might think about ourselves one thing consciously, and then something completely else unconsciously, which is called in psychology cognitive dissonance. Right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 having this idea about yourself that this is who I am, but actually operating through a completely different belief system which will, in fact, attract completely different reality that won't match whatever you think about yourself. And, and that's like that you're, the... resisting, you're resisting that subconscious belief about yourself and so it persists. Yeah. Because it's hard sometimes those beliefs um, disturb our, our, might disturb our entire value system and, 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 and confidence and, and self-perception. And it's very hard to admit to ourselves that this is what we believe about ourselves. And, mm. you know, you might be telling yourself, oh, for sure, I'm, I'm lovable and I'm confident, but actually, perhaps subconsciously, you don't believe you are lovable. And then you so you will attract partners who will treat you in unlovable way to mm. prove you and to show that to you that this belief is inside you. So the quickest way to identify your subconscious beliefs is to, Look whatever you attract in your life. Look at partners that you attract. Look at friends that you attract. Uh, in my case, I mean, I've been my entire life with unavailable men until I changed the beliefs. And the men I started to attract after were, were completely different suddenly. So this is the best proof of how it, you know, if it works. Um, mm-hmm. And if if you have done the work and if, if, if it was enough. So. Uh, the moment you will, you know, and there is, I mean, if you go to my book, my book has very specific exercises to identify subconscious beliefs. Uh, so you can you can actually go really, really deep through a series of questions and, and, and question yourself. Um, but the easiest way to remove the belief once, uh, once the belief was identified is to really connect to a situation and try to um try to remember what was actually when was the the first time or the first situation when we could have potentially um felt in this way right so mm-hmm. if we let's say um i don't know give me an example of perhaps a belief that you would like to remove let's say i think a, i think a very common one is maybe not being good enough right okay so perfect and so could you identify at least one situation in your past earlier better that made you feel not good enough? 
Yes, I think it was. Um, well, I, I, full disclaimer: I've done I've done this sort of work before, so I've got all the answers ready to go. But um, yeah, I definitely Perfect. when I was um, growing up, I was one of four kids, and um, my parents weren't the kind of parents who were like on your back about homework. But they had my mum had very very high expectations, and she always you know taught us to present in a certain way. And so I remember coming home and got like. 97 out of 100 on a test and I was so excited and she was like that's really really good what happened to the 3% and so I've always had this mentality of no matter how well I do it's never good enough and I think that's probably the earliest example I can think of in my mind mom yeah. if you're listening I absolutely love you and you've raised me to be a great woman but that did form a part <laughs> of this belief um, that I think has turned me into a bit of a perfectionist growing up <laughs> Yeah, and it's a great example. And thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably. Uh, parents can only teach us what they have been taught themselves, right? And so, um, in 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 you know, the moment you identify, like you did, the situation in which you know that belief could have potentially be created. What happens is that your brain uh, creates an interpretation of a story, and. In that case, the interpretation of the story was even the best is not good enough. Mm. So it's almost like I can't, I can't ever be good enough because you, you were pretty much perfect on your test. So means that almost being perfect is still not good enough. It's a very strong one. And once your brain sort of puts a sticker on it, okay, well, this is how I identify the situation. This is my interpretation of that situation. Uh, this is the belief I'm going to create. It's very hard to remove it unless you go and take your brain to the court. Mm -hmm. And taking your brain to the court means going back to the situation and separating yourself from the situation. So looking at the situation as if you were looking at it from outside perspective. So you are not in it as a little girl, but you are as yourself looking at yourself, little girl and your mom, etc. And what you do, you force your brain to find at least two different interpretations of that situation. And once your brain found that two different interpretation, it can stick to the one from before anymore. It, 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 it's getting confused. So the, mm -hmm. the, the belief loses its power because Strength, now your brain yeah. sees, okay, exactly. So now your brain sees, well, actually, you know, that was one interpretation, but another interpretation could have been completely different that your mom had very demanding mom herself and she was perfectionist and she was never feeling good enough for herself. And it had absolutely nothing to do with you, but you felt that sort of, um, um expectation she she always was putting on herself and and so on and and so on so there is plenty of different um stories we can build on one actually situation we we observe from outside perspective so as long as we can detach from it and look at it almost as if it was a movie scene it's like, okay, and play with your brain. It's like, okay, this is one interpretation. This is another interpretation. This is another interpretation. The belief are losing the power. Yeah. And so that yeah. is one of the very uh, powerful uh, methods and one of the amazing uh, psychotherapy, well, uh, coaches who, who is using this method is uh, Shelly Lefko, uh, who is a kids therapist. And she just can remove literally belief after belief after belief. 
Um, so, so just to give people some tools to 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 what to do when they identify a belief. Yeah, I I love talking about this stuff because I feel like when a limiting belief is presenting itself now, say in an adult age, they can be almost quite sneaky because sometimes it's quite jarring when you hear or think something that's in such conflict to what you think you think about yourself. So obviously because it's subconscious, it's not that obvious to you that you may have like a negative thought about yourself or about your ability but deep down Mm -hmm. somewhere and like you said it's it's evident from either your behaviors so I think sometimes like people can self-sabotage and that's a a way to know your limiting belief or from what you're attracting into your life I think when you take a moment and everything we've spoken about today is like just that reflection and, and awareness and bringing perspective into things that's when you can start to question it go deeper and find the root cause. And really interestingly, when I personally did that with a coach, I found that there were so many events in my life that all hit on this same limiting belief. So over time, Mm. it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And you come to a point and you realize and you see how it controls basically so much of what you think and do in life, even though it's subconscious. So it's it's really incredible. Um, I love talking about this because I understand the power in unpacking them and how it can really like reconnect you with yourself. So um, for anybody listening, I suppose, who's really, really interested in this stuff, I would strongly recommend going and grabbing Dorota's book, which obviously gives a lot more tips than what we have time to chat about today on the podcast. But something I think, um, I think everybody should go through a process. And, you know, this is the sort of stuff we should be taught at school, because why, why should we have to kind of carry around the burden of just not knowing how to relate to our subconscious brain. So it's it's pretty incredible that we have tools like this podcast and your book that bring this source of information to people. So thank you for sharing info on that and sort of similarly linked to this concept and going on that tangent of, I suppose, connecting with yourself is this idea of self-love, which I think um, I'm really glad and grateful it's become more of a, a popular term. A lot more people are embracing it and, and kind of openly speaking about its importance. I think especially after the whole pandemic, the global pandemic, it's become something a lot more people are aware of. But I'd, I'd be curious to know your opinion on what self-love truly means because I think when we start talking about wellness and, um, you know, like I always think about corporate wellness, how superficial it is in a way to almost tick boxes and I think self-love sometimes can also fall into that category where people might take a really superficial or high level approach to it without really being genuinely clear on what it means so I'd be curious to just understand for you personally anyway of course this is going to look different from person to person but what does self-love truly mean to you you know for me it's very simple it's to be your best friend you know and to be your best friend to be your best friend, like, you know, and this has been said and, and said so many times or, or already, but imagine, you know, we often treat our best friends so wonderfully and we are so generous with them and we are so forgiving and so accepting, but we don't do the same for ourselves. We are very demanding within ourselves. And so I started, mm. you know, when I started to ask myself a question, what would my best friend do right now? What would someone who really, really loves me do right now? And sometimes I bring a specific person in my mind and, mm. and ask myself, what, what, do that, what, what would that person do? Can I do it for myself as well? Right? And that would mean sometimes pamper myself up, 
That would mean sometimes soothing myself with kind words. That would mean letting go of worries and beating myself up and just saying, hey, you know, it's okay. You had a bad day. So let's watch a movie. Let's eat ice cream. Everything is going to be better tomorrow. I forgive you for not being your best self today. And it's okay. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's let go, letting go of things that truly on the long term don't matter. And really just being more loving and forgiving in a, in a, in a daily, um, daily situations and daily mistakes, daily problems and that we confront and, um, and realizing that, you know, you, the only person that, that will always stay with you forever is yourself. And if you don't have that loving relationship within yourself, you will be your worst enemy mm. because you will judge yourself for everything. You will, um, not be able to appreciate yourself when you do achieve something, uh, when you will achieve things, you might believe that you don't deserve it. It's, and all of that is just a form, a huge form of self-punishment that mm. can be psychologically uh, extremely painful. So if you can observe your thoughts and the language you use to communicate with yourself and change that language to the more loving and caring, that's the very good step to, um, the very first step to, 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 to start to develop that, that beautiful uh, relationship basically yeah based on self-love yeah no I I love that and I think it's a good prompt for anybody listening who feels like maybe that's something they're struggling with or haven't fully embraced to really just in moments where they feel like they're being very self-critical because let's face it we are our own biggest critic I think that's a very natural human thing to do but I think in those moments that's when we can bring in what you've just said which is well how would I react if my best friend was being this critical of me, you know, or, or mm-hmm. saying what I'm thinking in my head to me? Like I don't think a lot of us would appreciate hearing that from our friend and I doubt it's something we would say to our friends when all they need is a bit Precisely. of compassion. So it's that exactly. good perspective to say, you know, right now I just need some compassion just to be kind and a yeah. bit of bit of TLC and I think that's a good yeah. way to... I guess, start on the road to self-love. And then I agree, it really comes down to how you feel about yourself and how comfortable you are, you know, loving mm. yourself in, in whatever way that looks like to you. So I think, um, I think that's such a key pillar in the quest to also feel balanced because I think when we're running around and doing all these things and conducting our life, if we don't have that base level of self-love, where are you coming from? You know, you're showing mm. up as an employee, a mother, a sister, a daughter, a best friend, but where's that coming from? It it needs to come from a place of love, I think, to be genuine and more importantly, sustainable. And I think that having that ground level baseline with yourself is is just so important for all avenues of your life. So I couldn't agree more with, with everything you've just said there. I think it's also very important to realize that the relationship, you will only, your, all of your relationship with other people will be as good as the relationship that you have with, with yourself yeah, so great point. you know you you won't be able to to truly give love to other people and 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 build wonderful uh relationship either romantically speaking or or, or friends 
uh, of friendship simply, but the moment you are not loving yourself, your love will be always limited towards other people. So yeah. the work, if you want to experience the beauty and fullness of this life, you, you, you have to do the work on yourself first. It's, it's so important we realize that. There is no one who will come to save. You can only ever save yourself from yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of that concept of if you don't love and respect yourself, how can you expect somebody else to do that? And I always keep that in the back of my mind. You know, you can't expect that from other people if you can't even do that for yourself. So mm. that's a that's a really great point. I know we've only got a couple minutes left together. So there is one more thing I wanted to ask you about. I know sure. you've had such a... Um, a well-diversified and, you know, in my opinion, quite a successful career. And so I just wanted to know, how have you managed to balance that momentum and that growth with having a healthy and grounded lifestyle? Mm. So it's not, it, it really comes down to how do you design every single day. So if you don't have a time in a day to dedicate to yourself, you won't have that time, um, you know, in a month or two months or three months or six months. So I hear so many people saying, oh, but after this project, I will take some time off or all this weekend, I will finally have a break. It's like, no, the only moment you truly have is here and now. If you are not going to change your daily routine and redesign your life so you stop waiting for a change and for things to suddenly be aligned and, and 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 comforting and you know more time free etc it's never gonna come you only will have more things to do and more tasks to do and and more mm. uh, responsibilities especially with people who 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 are working on big projects and so the only change that you have to do is to change your daily day life like i said dedicate first two hours for yourself dedicate evening for yourself i you know, I have really a uh, strong rule to never work in the evenings and to never work in the morning. And I really use that time to reconnect with myself and to reconnect with people I love. And and then, you know, I don't need holidays anymore because I don't mm -hmm. feel I'm burning out. If, if the holidays happen, great, it's a bonus. But I want to live in a way when I'm not exhausting myself, when I'm actually mm. loving my life because life is short. And if I don't love my life and I'm waiting for my life to change, what life is that? So mm. create a life that you don't want to change, that you are really happy and cultivating this joy and gratitude every single day for, for, for every, everything that you are creating and everything that you have. I think that's beautiful. That's probably one of my favorite answers that I've ever heard because it um, it really reminds us to appreciate each day for what it is. And also every day is an opportunity to be better or more of yourself or something different. You can live your life by design if you program that time and space for yourself on an everyday basis. And that mentality yeah. of, you know, work hard now and enjoy later. It's, it's that, you know, tomorrow never comes. It's really all we've got mm -hmm. right now is now everybody listening to this podcast is just listening to this podcast is so present they're not thinking about how stressed they are about work tomorrow or what they have to do next year or next week you know you are so present listening to this podcast because you've set that intention and time aside to do this and so whatever it is mm -hmm. for you that you need every single day 
to make you feel grounded or more like yourself or to just feel in tune, I think that's a a really fantastic answer and a great way to, I think, keep up momentum without compromising on the things that are important to you. And when I talk about balance, that's all it comes down to. If you find yourself in a bit of a position where you've compromised on too many things that are important to you, you need to reshift your life and time so that you can keep those things as a priority whilst doing everything else you need to do. And sometimes if you do that on a day-to-day basis, you don't need to get to a point where you're burnt out or you need to take a five-week holiday. You know, I mean, those are great. I'm not I'm not anti-five-week holidays at all. But it means that you don't have to work and push to this point that somewhere in the future that, you know, as you get busier and as things build up, something else pops up and that time never comes. So I, I think that answer mm. is beautiful. I love everything you just said there. Thank you. <laughs> Now, Dorota, I think that's all we've got time for today, but I know how much of a busy woman you are. So I am very, very grateful for you having shared your time today on the podcast. For anybody who wants to follow along your journey or um, maybe, you know, connect with some more of your resources, where is the best place they can do so? And I'll put some links in the show notes below. Sure. I mean, um, to know about anything happening in my life, you can follow me on Instagram, the Rotostanchuk Art and for uh, getting all the updates for of upcoming events and, uh, you know, see all the project I'm working on, just visit my website, which is dorotastanchuk.com. So thank you so Beautiful. much for having me. This was really wonderful and special conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I hope it's gonna, you know, um, spark some joy in people and some new thoughts, which would be wonderful. Oh, I definitely, definitely know it would have. And for people listening, please send this on to one friend you think would would need it and needs to love themselves a little bit more, like maybe you love them, because I think they'll get a lot, a lot out of it. So thank you, Dorota. And um, I look forward to seeing what the next year brings for you and your work. Thank you so much.